Welcome to the weekly podcast of Bright Star Bible Church. I'm Pastor Michael Branch. As we begin, we pray, Lord, sanctify us in truth. Your word is truth. We are going to uh, start in Ephesians chapter 5 today. Ephesians chapter 5. You know, um, as you grow in the Lord, especially for those of you guys who have grown up in the church and, uh, and you have grown up in a particular um, church experience, for instance, I was raised on the home mission field in the Southern Baptist denomination, and there comes a point in which you start to begin to look at all the things you've been taught and all the things you believe, and you measure it against what Scripture says, and there are things that you tweak along the way, right? We are not to be um, guided by our denomination. We're not to be um, driven by um, kind of even what our necessarily what our parents taught us theologically, but rather when we become adults and we grow up in the Lord, we turn our attention to Scripture, and whatever Scripture says is what we adhere to. And it's at times very difficult to let go of some of the things that we may have learned growing up, right? Because we've kind of grown accustomed to that, attached to those ways of thinking, and we think that that's the way it's supposed to be. But it's so necessary for us to let go of some of those things when we find in Scripture that things are lined out in a very particular and concise way. Um, Because what happens is, well, clearly we see all the different denominations out there, right? There's 19 different kinds of Baptists out there, probably way more than that. Um, There's, uh, you've got uh, interdenominational, right? Which is a bunch of denominations that meet together. You've got non-denominational, which has actually become a denomination because they have a very succinct belief system, so non-denominational is actually a denomination. And, uh, and, and you've got all of these different people who believe all these different things. And what I truly believe is that there's unity in the Word of God, that if you truly dig in the Word of God and you can set aside some of the, those, those um, um, presumptions that we have attached ourselves to growing up in the church, uh, denominational, whether it's from our, our, what our mom or dad thought or whatever, and we just submit wholly to the Word of God, I believe the body of Christ will find more and more unity together. All right? So we have to hold on to God's Word more so than we hold on to uh, necessarily some of those theological things we've been trained in growing up. That's not to say I'm encouraging people to throw out what their parents taught them or throw out what they, their church experience growing up because I had a wonderful experience growing up in, in the body of Christ. That's why I became a pastor and felt called to pastor and lead is because I absolutely love God's people. Like they made such an, people made an impact in my life growing up. They were the ones um, living out the word of God, walking in the power of the spirit day by day, and, and just being a godly influence in my life, they were the ones who changed my life, okay? They were the ones that I fell in love with in regards to the body of Christ. And so in my own service to God, I, I followed the Lord in serving Him in the local body. And, and so I think we all should be in love with the local body of Christ. We should all love God's people. And that's what this is all about. But let's start at Ephesians chapter 5. And I say all that to say, you know, the last several weeks as I've taught on the power of the Spirit, there, there are many uh, misconceptions and many kind of false teachings out there about what's expected of a Christian or a believer who walks in the power of the Spirit. And oftentimes that seems unreachable or unattainable because it's just this level of spirituality that we feel like we can never reach. And for those people, for instance, like my son, who we had this, this conversation years ago, um, in talking about this, he felt this pressure that he needed to actually fabricate something to kind of fit in. And, 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 and he just was not willing to do that. I'm just not going to make something up to feel like I'm spiritual or whatever. And I feel like oftentimes that's what happens is we get in a, a a church cultural setting or a certain denominational belief. And we believe that we have to do these things and drum up the spirit, drum up this emotion and, and instead, when God's Word tells us about walking in the Spirit, it's a very specific way of life. And so I'm really excited to share that with you today from God's Word, not my opinion, not my upbringing as a Southern Baptist, but simply submitting to what God's Word says. Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21. 
and be not drunk with wine, in which is excess, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Pay real close attention to this, this, what it's talking about. Singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves to one another in the fear of God. Okay? So we learned over the past several weeks that being filled with the Spirit is a command. It's not, it's not an option. It's not a suggestion. It's a command for every single believer. Okay? It's not some higher echelon of spirituality that you have to somehow figure out how to get there. It's a command. He expects it of every single believer. And we learned that it's a continual thing. That, the, that when you look at that word, that word filled, it means be being kept filled. It's a continual living fountain of water that is accessible every single day of your life in the walk of the believer. It's not a one-time event. It is not a second encounter in which you're kind of wholly zapped by, uh, you know, from heaven uh, and you are promoted to a new level of Christianity. That's not what this is talking about. Uh, we learned why he drew the contrast between being drunk with wine, that common pagan ritual in which they would actually get drunk. They would get so drunk that they would become mindless, basically, fall down drunk and open themselves up to spiritual beings. They wanted to commune with the gods. And this was a common pagan practice back then. But being filled with the Spirit, he's drawing that comparison saying it's quite the opposite. It's one of continual power in the life of the believer, not just when you drink your booze, right? And there are very real, tangible, accessible, useful, daily benefits or amenities or whatever you want to call it, describe them, gifts from being filled with the Spirit of God. We do not lose all control and act crazy in order to talk to these spiritual beings or, or commune with the gods. We are continually filled. We are under complete control of the Holy Spirit. And as a result, uh, it's true communion with God and true communion with our brothers and sisters in Christ. And the way this is expressed, it says, is um, in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Just what we did together. That is... That is a spiritual act as the local body of Christ to sing songs together. Amen? That's, you know, a, a lot of times that's, sometimes it's made to be the, the biggest, the main, most important thing. And, and it's part of the, the body. It's part of what the body does to express their worship. But, but even more important is the proclamation of the truth and the word of God. But this is how the local body, the local family expresses itself in those uh, singing, as, in singing as well as bearing fruit. Uh, the, the fruits of the Spirit, which you all probably have memorized from the silly songs we learned when we were kids and, and in junior high about uh, the fruit of the Spirit's not a banana. You guys all learned that song, maybe. Um, now, when you guys think about filling something up, you think about it in, in the context of like that bottle, like filling up a water bottle, right? Filling something up, filling up a bucket. Well, that's not what this word actually means, all right? Um, in Greek, the word is a descriptive word, and there are several different descriptions that it gives us um, so that we can better understand what it means to be filled with the Holy Spirit. If we're, if we're commanded to be filled with the Holy Spirit on a continual basis, don't you think we ought to know what that means in our lives? If we're commanded to do it, don't you think we ought to know what it means? All right? So, if we understand what it means to, to be being kept filled with the Spirit... We learned, first of all, and let me just lay this down as we, as we kind of launch into this today, um, the continual filling of the Spirit, it's not even possible unless three things happen. First, the indwelling of the Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit, and the sealing of the Spirit. And Scripture talks about all three of these things. And that is something that you do not do. That is something that the Holy Spirit of God does. Okay, that is something that happens at the time of conversion. All right, when you accept Christ as your Lord and Savior, the Bible is very clear that you cannot be in God, in Christ, without having the Spirit of God. Do you understand? You can't have both. All right, you have to be indwelled. At that time, you are baptized. 
and at that time you were sealed for your future glorification, as we read in the Scripture earlier. And those things all happen at the time of conversion. We don't always see the evidence of it until later, and we're going to get into that. Scripture tells us, again, that all of those things happen at the very beginning. And that's where we have to start the journey. Okay, so this word uh, filled, be filled, in the original text in Greek is playru. Okay, and I'm going to say that often. It's like playroom. It sounds like playroom without the M on the end. So you guys should be able to, to uh, remember that, playroom. And its description leaves no doubt for the believer what it means to be filled by the Spirit or filled with the Spirit. It's used in a way of describing the wind that fills the sails on a sailboat, okay? So there's a boat sitting out in the middle of the ocean, and if there's no wind, that thing's going nowhere. It's being tossed around by the waves, right? Well, the picture of this Greek word is being filled, the, the sails being filled by this wind, okay? And that's what Paul had in mind when the Spirit inspired him to write this word down, to be carried along by the Spirit, to be moved along by the Spirit. And that's actually what Scripture tells us is what the apostles did when they were inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the Scripture, that the Spirit of God blew the, the wind of inspiration and they began to write. Not some holy download, you know, like where it was just... and they're just automatic writing. It was the Spirit of God in a very logical manner inspiring them to write the words of God and they all fit together perfectly, right? You can't get a hundred carpenters to write a book about carpentry and it not have conflict and it not have contradictions. But yet, you have a book that you hold in your hand uh, that was written over a period of 1,500 years, uh, 66 different books, right? 40 different authors, and yet it reads like one entire book as if they all got together in a room and made certain that there were no contradictions. And let me just suggest to you that what I have found is when I thought there were contradictions, the more I studied God's Word, the more I realized that's not a contradiction at all. It's drawing a deeper meaning. And we'll see one of those instances later on in the message. Okay? So, to be carried along by the Spirit, to have the drive of your life and the energy of your life and the power of your life and the purpose of your life be uh, moved by the Spirit of God, actually by the Spirit of God. You don't move in your own power. You don't move in your own flesh, in your own ideas. You don't generate uh, your decisions by your own will. A, a believer who's walking in the Spirit of God, who's being carried along by the Spirit of God, is listening uh, to the voice of God and submitting to God, and you are carried along on the route that He wishes you to go. The other night we were talking about how the Bible says that man makes his plans but God directs His steps. We make our plans, but God directs our steps. And there is a promise that for the believer that God's will is whatever. As long as you do everything you do in word and deed, like you could move to Istanbul next week and, and, and decide to be missionaries, and if everything you do in word and, de and deed honors God's word and honors God, God will bless that. What does the Bible say? Whatsoever he doeth shall prosper. That you will be fulfilled and God will bless whatever you do, whatever you put your hand to, as long as you are doing it not in your own flesh, but you are doing it in the power of the Spirit for His glory and His glory alone. Do you all understand that? And that's cool. So you don't have to sit around and toil over God's will for my life. Lord, send me the one, right? Send me the one that I'm supposed to marry. You don't have to. God's going to bring that person in your life in the exact perfect time that you're supposed to meet that person, you just need to be sure that you're walking in the Spirit so that you can meet the right person and you're not out there doing silly stuff and meeting the wrong kind of people, okay? So I'm saying that, but directing that in this general direction, uh, but, uh, you know, as a father. But uh, that goes for all of you guys, okay? Ooh, look at that look over there I'm getting. All right, so you are carried along by the Spirit of God on the route that He wishes you to go. Now, when I was a little boy, there was a little river running through the town that I spent most of my time in. Uh, five years was the longest we ever lived ever, anywhere as, as, uh, in my childhood. And uh, it was encampment Wyoming, and there was a river running through the, the town, Encampment River. 
and I would stand on the bridge and I would throw a stick off of one side of the bridge and of course I would look both ways, okay, but I'd run across the, the highway on the bridge and I would wait and look under the bridge and wait for that stick to come along underneath me and I would watch it go down. How many of you guys when you were little threw sticks in the creek and chased the stick down the creek? Well, that's the picture of the Spirit of God in the life of the believer. There's, the stick has no power in and of itself. There's nothing in that stick that's causing it to move. It's being carried along by the current. And that's the picture of playroo here. There's no engine. There's nothing in our flesh that can move us in the Spirit of God along the route that we, that we would like to go. But you and I are carried along when we submit to the Holy Spirit of God. We're carried along on the path that God intends us to take. So in one of the descriptions, to be filled with the Spirit is to be carried along from day to day, moment to moment, thought to thought, even thoughts. Paul tells us to take every thought captive and submit it to the Word of God. When you're doing that, you're walking in the Spirit of God. Do you guys see how that works? All right. Uh, from word to word, from deed to deed, everything we do, we do as unto the Lord. And in everything we do, even if it's laundry, right? Even if it's fixing uh, a flat tire, if we do everything that we do, uh-oh. If we do everything that we do, Colton's scared. If we do everything that we do in the power of the Spirit of God, then it becomes an act of worship. So we need to try to toss aside this idea that worship is something we do on Sundays or just at certain times, or that worship is only singing songs. Worship, worship is the proclamation of the Word of God, and worship is doing laundry when you're doing it as unto the Lord, or fixing a flat tire when you're doing it as unto the Lord. We need to change our mindset about what worship is, okay? All right. There's a second description of playru as well, and this is going to help you understand, and that's the idea of permeation, to permeate something, okay? Playru filled is, means to permeate, and uh, a good illustration is something that Colton talked about a while back, and that's salt. Salt permeates, and you know, back in the day, those, those cowboys in the 1800s would, would cut meat, like raw meat, and stick it under the saddle, under their saddle, and they would ride, and the salt from the sweat of the horse would cure that meat and turn it into jerky as they would ride. I know it sounds disgusting, but that salt would permeate the meat and cure the meat, and they'd eat that meat as they were driving uh, cattle on, on the cattle drive, okay? So that salt permeates, and that's the picture here of being filled. And it also preserves you as well. You go over to uh, third world countries where they don't have refrigeration or before we had refrigeration, and what would they do to the meat? They would pack it in salt, and it would preserve that meat, okay? Well, the Spirit of God is supposed to permeate you, and in so doing, it preserves you by setting you apart, by making you holy, by making you more like Christ, okay? You are holy as He is holy. And in so doing, you act as a preservative in your first in your family, in preserving the morals and, and the, um, just the, the moral fabric of the family, and then your friends and family around you, and then that moves on to the local church as we preserve one another, and then that moves on to society. If we have healthy churches, then ultimately society is healthy because the church is acting as a preservative. Now, we know God's Word tells us that eventually um, people are not going to put up with sound doctrine, that they're not going to submit to the Word of God, and because of that, society itself will begin to decay and break down. Okay? Um, but another thing about salt is when you want to draw out the flavors of something, like, for instance, I like cantaloupe, right? And I love putting salt on cantaloupe or putting salt on watermelon, and it just makes it more sweet, right? It draws the flavors out. Well, in the same way, the Spirit of God should permeate you to flavor your life so that you taste like the Spirit of God. When people are around you, they feel like they've just spent some time with the Lord, okay? You have a peace about you. You walk in love. You walk in power. It's not some crazy, you know, um, 
zap, that holy zap that happens. You're just a very normal, godly, peaceful, joyful person, and that spills over on other people, okay? When anybody gets close to you. So to be filled is the power of the Spirit moving you along, just to review. It's the permeation of the Spirit preserving you as holy, adding that godly flavor to the world and the people around you through you, so you're just spilling over on other people. But the main description here in this word playroom, when compared to the gospel, uh, the four gospels particularly, the main use of the word playroom being filled is that of complete and total, utter control. Okay? Not just an influence, but rather complete and total control. And this is the main description of this word. If we're we're reading this command, be filled with the Holy Spirit, it means complete and total control. Now let me try to explain this. So you've got the idea of moving along in the Spirit, being carried by the Spirit. You've got the idea of permeation and, 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 and uh, being holy and set apart and preserving society and preserving your family and spilling over that flavor, that godly flavor on other people around you. But total control is the key. All right? Whenever one of the writers of the Gospels wants to talk about some, uh, somebody who's just dominated, completely dominated by an emotion, they use this word, playroom, okay? And so, um, in, in other words, for instance, in John chapter 16, verse 6, John 16, verse 6, it says, they were filled with sorrow. That's that same word, be filled with the Holy Spirit. This is the same word. They were filled with sorrow, they were filled with playroom, playroom filled with sorrow to such a degree that in that moment, the idea of happiness was actually hard to imagine, okay? They were so, incon- or so uh, overwhelmed with that emotion in that moment, they, co- they couldn't even hardly imagine uh, what it was like to be happy in that moment. So let me uh, illustrate this for you. So we walk along in our daily lives and we try to balance out our emotions, Right? We were, we've been, we watch a sad movie, right? Oh, well, I want to watch a funny sitcom and, you know, I'm, it makes me kind of sad. So I'm going to watch a sitcom and I'm going to bring, bring myself back into emotional balance. And that's the way we live our lives. Every single day, we try to keep that balance, don't we? We don't want to be too sad. We don't want to be just like laughing like a full idiot all the time, right? Like everybody just thinks we're, we're goofy all the time because all we do is go around acting silly and and, you know, like never serious, can't ever talk about anything serious, but we try to keep our life in balance, in emotional balance. Um, So you've got sorrow on one side of the scale and happiness on the other side of the scale. And again, you go through life and you encounter these little things and and all of a sudden you, you try to tweak one or the other to try to keep yourself in emotional balance, all right? Um, but every once in a while, something happens in our life that we just simply cannot keep the emotional balance. It, the scales are like this, and all of a sudden it's like, wham, and it drops down on one side. For instance, someone you dearly love passes away. You lose a parent. You lose a child. You lose um, someone in your life that you dearly love, and the scale is slammed to the side of sorrow, right? And you are overwhelmed with that emotion filled, playroom filled with that emotion to the point where you can't get it out of your head. Like for weeks, I remember when my grandmother passed away, she was very influential in my life. For weeks, it was like, can I just stop thinking about this? Is there something I can do to escape just thinking about the loss, you know, and, and how emotionally overwhelmed you are with that loss? And in those moments, and this is just from a pastor to you guys, in those moments when somebody faces such a sorrowful loss, there's really nothing you can say. You can't say anything clever or any little um, quotes or quips that are going to change that, that scale, right? So it's best to, to just be there and listen, to just sit there and shut up and put your arm around them and, and just listen to them and let them cry and don't try to tilt the scales. Let them work through that sorrow as God designed us to work through that sorrow, okay? So in that moment, though, when you're overwhelmed or, or play roof filled with that emotion, there's nothing that 
can change that emotion until you work through it and, and eventually the, the scales come back in balance, okay? However, if on the other hand, you find out that you've got an Uncle Cletus that you never knew you had, right? An Uncle Cletus just passed away and Uncle Cletus just left you 100,000 smackaroos, right? Well, bam, the scale goes the other way. We are elated, we are happy. We can't imagine anything at this point in time being uh, being sad because we just found out that number one we had a relative that we didn't even know about and add to that the fact that he left us a hundred thousand smackaroos like we're gonna party tonight right so it's this emotion right it's this emotional scale and you can't hardly imagine in that moment when you're so elated and so happy you're just overwhelmed completely and totally overwhelmed with that emotion right at that point, the world could go down the tubes, and as long as I've got my 100,000 smackaroos, I'm good to go, right? Um, so you see, the, you see how that works. There are times in which the emotion overwhelms a person, one side or the other, and that's the word that the, the apostles used, divinely inspired, when they wrote Scripture, that word, playru, be filled. You're totally dominated by it, and you don't need anything to balance it, right? Nothing can balance it. It's just something that is in complete control in your life. And that's what playroom means. To be controlled by the emotion so that you can no longer keep yourself in balance. All right? Now, the same thing is true in how each and every one of us live our life as a believer, as a true follower of Christ. This is the way most of us go, right? I'm going to describe the typical, typical Christianity right now. And let me just say that there have been a lot of things said over the years about the people who sit in the pews and whether or not, like, you wonder how many people that actually attend a local church actually truly know Jesus, right? And that's not for us to decide, and that's not for us to figure out, but you know there's got to be a figure in there somewhere. Well, to me, what I have noticed, and again, I've been in the church all my life, uh, I was raised in the church. My dad was a, a church planter. I've watched people my entire life, and I've seen almost every one of them who were in our churches claim to be followers of Christ. But there's always a difference between those who are serving the Lord on the surface, and you know that they kind of live a double life, and or it just really doesn't make that, like, yes, they're doing it because they think that's what they're supposed to do. They're following the Lord and going to church because it's the right thing to do or that's what grandma did, right? Or that's what mom and dad raised me to do. That's completely different than the person that I, many of the folks who influenced me my whole life who were absolutely, utterly in control by the Spirit of God, who lived their life fully for the purposes of God and the passion of God and their life was absolutely infused with the power of God and those were the people in my life who made the most difference. And so when I look out in a crowd, not today, I won't be pointing any fingers, but when I look out in, of all the sea of people I've known since the time I was, I can remember in the, in the body of Christ, there are those that I think about that the Bible, that it played out to be true, if they were of us, they would have not gone out from us, right? They walked away from the Lord later on. They were never of us in the first place. There are those who have a very shallow, shallow, kind of meaningless um, um, commitment to the Lord. It's almost like a badge they wear. And there's a difference between a badge that you wear saying, I'm a police officer, Right? I wear a badge, I'm a police officer, that's a badge I wear. Well, the police officer goes home and he's like, and he's Bill. Like he takes his badge off and he's just Bill. Well, to be in complete and total, utter control of the spirit means you can't remove the badge. It's so deeply ingrained, it's part of the core. It's who you are. And that's what defines you. And that's the difference. And I've seen it all my life. So the question today is, if you look at your life, are you wearing the badge of Christianity are you just playing a part? Are you just doing what you do, you do because mom and dad were and grandma was? Or is it something that, that wells up from inside of you that's uncontrollable? It defines you. It's who you are. That's the question today, okay? So again, most Christians live this life where um, they do what they think Christians are supposed to do. And 
their daily battling between the world's philosophies and, and the ways of our culture and the way our culture thinks, right? And then what the Bible tells us to think, God's Word. But all of a sudden, Scripture opens our eyes and we see something in a new way. We have this revelation of, of God in the truth of the pages revealed in Scripture. And we are just grabbed a hold of by something life-changing, life-transformative, right? So we had the Spirit of God before, but now our eyes are opened in a new way because we see things in a new light, this deeper revelation. As the Bible says, we go from glory to glory to glory. We're being carried along by the Spirit from mountaintop to mountaintop to mountaintop, and each peak is higher than the last. That's the picture of the life of the believer, right? The point to which everything is controlled by the Spirit, all of your emotions, all of your acts of your will, your thinking processes, as we talked about, taking every thought captive, right? Even your thinking is submitted to the will of God, and that's what it means to be filled with the Spirit. The idea of being moved along, being permeated so that you have the flavor of Jesus, but it's even more so this idea of being completely and totally controlled by the firm hand of God in your life. And that's what we're talking about today. Living your life under the complete and total control of God. He's there. He's always available. And if you live in bondage to sin, if you live like a Pharisee in bondage to the law, then the Bible says you grieve the Holy Spirit or you quench the Holy Spirit. So let me just clarify that, what that means. Because sometimes we hear the preacher say something and then all week we're like, oh, am I quenching the Holy Spirit? Oh, am I grieving the Holy Spirit? And then we, we think we're, we're messing up, right? Um, you quench Him. That's when you restrict because of your sin, that's when you restrict what God wants to do in your life because you are you're falling back into some sinful pattern in your life. And so that causes a restriction of what God could do in your life. That's quenching the Spirit, okay? And then you grieve Him when the Spirit feels personally sorrowful, like the Spirit of God is a person. The Spirit of God is God, and the Spirit of God is as le at least described to us as being sorrowful when we do things to grieve Him, when we do things that are sinful, that do not align with what God's Word tells us a believer should be doing, right? That grieves the Spirit. So here's, here's a great illustration. Um, let me just throw this out there. If you are not filled by the Spirit of God, you are of absolutely no use to God whatsoever. If you are not filled by the Spirit of God, you are of absolutely no use to God whatsoever. And here's a picture, an illustration that I think will help you understand. A glove, okay? So I have a few sets of gloves, and you can lay a glove on a, on a bench, and that glove will lay there and do absolutely nothing. The glove does nothing until a hand is put inside the glove, and then the glove does whatever the hand does, okay? Well, this is a picture of the Spirit of God. You are like a glove, and you are supposed to be filled with the Spirit, the hand of God, the power of God, and you do nothing without the hand. When the hand moves, you move. When God moves, you move. Okay? And that is the picture here of what it means to be filled with the Spirit, that playroom. You are like that glove, that, hand, that glove being moved by the hand of God. The glove doesn't have to pray and beg and plead for God to fill it. God just, when you accept Christ... God fills the glove, and then from what you do at that, from that point on, is just a simple matter of submit, submitting to the Spirit of God and submitting to the Word of God, okay? You can just lay around your house all the time and do nothing, just like a glove laying on a bench, or the more you submit yourself to Him, the more you submit yourself to His Word, then the Spirit of God then moves in your life, and it's like the hand of God working through you. Do you all understand that? Say amen if you get it. All right, just also checking to see if you're still awake. All right, so you can't do anything in your life until you yield to God's hand. You can't fulfill anything on your own without the energy and the fullness of the Spirit of God in your life. You can do stuff in your flesh. You can do stuff, right? You can do everything that I can do. I can do everything that Krista can do. But when I do it in the flesh, the same exact thing, it's, it's wood, hay, and stubble. But when someone does it as an act and they're doing it as an act of worship, as unto the Lord, in the power of the Spirit of God, it becomes gold, silver, and precious stones. Do you all understand that? 
So the same act, it's not the act. It's whether or not the person is submitted and doing it in the power of the Spirit of God or they're doing it in the flesh. That's why the world can do all these wonderful, nice things and have all these charities, but it's not the same thing as the body of Christ and what the body of Christ does when the body of Christ not only fills the physical needs of people, but also fulfills the spiritual needs of people as well. You can eat manna in the wilderness and still die. You can fill someone's belly and not give them the gospel and you've wasted all your time and you've put their, their soul in danger for eternity. Do you understand? So we always need to be walking in the Spirit and doing things uh, for God's purpose rather than our own. So, uh, again, to do anything for God, to walk in wisdom, you must be filled with the Spirit of God, permeated by His person. You must be carried along by His power. You must be controlled by His presence in your life. Now, I want to show you something real quick. If you look in Acts chapter 6, Acts chapter 6, verse 5, Acts chapter 6, verse 5, Acts chapter 6, verse 5. I'm trying to get better at repeating for those of you who are note takers and who like to turn there. They needed some uh, men for a special job, and so what were their qualifications? Acts 6, 5. And the saying pleased the multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of the Holy Spirit. Okay? So they chose Stephen because he was full of faith and he was full of the Holy Spirit. He relied on God. He put his faith in God as the object of his faith and he relied on the Spirit of God. It says in uh, uh, chapter 7, verse 55, chapter 7, verse 55, but he, being full of the Holy Spirit, looked up steadfastly into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. So to be filled with the Spirit takes your reality right out of this world and places it in the eternal, eternity in your hearts. It gives you an eternal perspective. So what we're reading about right here is actually Stephen's death. He's being killed in this moment. And even in that moment, he looks up and he sees the Lord. And, and again, it takes his mind from the fact that these dudes are throwing stones at me and I'm being killed right now right, my life is ending, to an eternal perspective where he looks up and he sees Jesus. That's walking in the Spirit. That's what it means to be filled with the Spirit gives you a new perspective of God and a completely new understanding of life. To be filled with the Spirit detaches you from the world's system. It cuts you clean from the world's system. You no longer think like the world or act like the world. Now you are living and walking in a new reality, in a spiritual reality, in a biblical reality. To be filled with the Spirit means that you, uh, you don't care what the world says or what happens in the world necessarily. What happens to you, even if you're being killed, you don't care what happens as long as God is getting the glory. That's what it means to, to walk in the Spirit. When God wants someone for a job, He wants someone full of the Spirit. Because imagine for a moment, and this is something, a question I pose to many of you guys, as we look at the world around us and we see that things you know, tend to be getting darker. And, and when you consider things like persecution or martyrdom, I don't, know if it's, I don't know if it's 20 years down the road. I don't know if it's 100 years down the road. But at some point... And even today, believe it or not, people are persecuted and martyred more today around the world than at any other time in history. There are people today that, are, that have to hide and, and run for their lives from people who uh, wish to, to kill them because of their faith in Jesus Christ. So we often think that's a thing of the past, but no, it's, it's happening today. But let me ask this question as I've posed to many of you before. When persecution comes, when the trials really start to come, as the body of Christ, you personally, are, would you be able to stand in the power of the Spirit of God or would you fold like, like a, a deck of cards? Would that be something that you're just not willing to do, right? A person who is truly submitted, and I believe that's how the wheat are separated from the tares often, the sheep are separated from the goats. When we really find out who's who in the body of Christ and who are really committed and walking in the Spirit of God, is when the rubber meets the road and they face severe persecution or they face martyrdom and they stand in the power of the Holy Spirit because they have an eternal perspective, a biblical and godly perspective rather than a worldly perspective. And that is the life of walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Okay, I don't know what's coming in this country. 
You don't know what's coming in this country. It could be all butterfly kisses and roses, right? Hugs and cuddles. That could be what lies ahead for the body of Christ. But it could also be something that is very prevalent in the history of the church, which is persecution and martyrdom. That is something that could be down the road. So the question is, whatever you face, whatever your kids face, don't you want them to be filled with the power of the Spirit of God and know what it truly means to walk in the Spirit? Not some shallow sideshow, circus sideshow act that, that they have to pretend or they have to try to drum up. No, you want them in that moment when they're faced with persecution, when they're facing the peer pressure, when they're facing you know, something extreme or severe in this world where they have to stand up, you want your children to be standing in the power of the Holy Spirit and walking in the power of the Spirit of God. That's what you want. Even if it means persecution or martyrdom or whatever comes next. So I've heard people praying for the filling of the Spirit. And again, y'all, the Bible says it's a fountain, a never-ending fountain. It's always there, always available. So it, it's not a prayer request. It's not something you pray for. It's a command. He said, be filled. Like, it's, it's your job. Be filled. Submit to the Lord, and the Holy Spirit will fill you, and you will walk in power. If He gave you a command, then He's going to give you all the resources you need to fulfill that command, right? He's not going to hide it from you like some sadistic weirdo dictator that's you know trying to make you figure things out as you go along. It's, it's there for the taking. All you got to do is walk in the power of the Spirit. Surrender your will. Now listen, this is, where it, this is where the rubber meets the road. It means to die. It means you have to die. Die to yourself. It means you have to kill the flesh. Surrender your will. Surrender your intellect. Surrender your body if you must. Surrender your time. Surrender your talent. Surrender your treasure. Okay? Everything you have, everything you are, your complete identity, everything is surrendered to His control. That's what it means to walk in the Spirit of God. It is the death of self, the end of Michael. The end of Michael. And that's what Paul was talking about when he says, I have died and it's no longer I live, but Christ who lives within me. It is the Spirit of Christ driving him in power to do what he does. And that's, that's what you and I need to do as well. The crucifixion of self, the slaying of your own self-will. And therein lies the answer. That's the key. That's the difference between looking out in the masses and seeing those who are truly following after Christ because they have died to self and those who are still living for their own desires and trying to fulfill their own hopes and dreams and have not yet submitted themselves fully to God. That's the difference. Submission to the Lord. And when you finally die, He fills. When you die, He fills and not until. So when you empty yourself of yourself, He will fill you up with Himself. But a vessel that's already full of yourself cannot be filled with Him. So that's the thing. Yes, you received the Holy Spirit at the moment of your conversion. Yes, that happened. You were baptized and sealed by the Holy Spirit. But you will not walk in the power of the Spirit until you die, until you yield yourself completely and you allow Christ to live through you. That's how it works. And that is simply the difference. Let's look at Ephesians chapter 5. Now I've got a few more minutes here, so hang with me, okay? I've been preaching shorter than normal recently, so I've saved up some minutes and I'm throwing them in today, okay? Ephesians chapter 5. And the weather's nice. We have a nice breeze. The kids aren't beating each other, so everything seems to be cool. Is everybody with me? We go a few more minutes here. All right, so let's just dig in here and really see something cool about God's Word. Ephesians 5, and we're going to look at verse 18, and here's what it says. And be not drunk with wine, in which is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. Okay? And again, what happens when you're filled with the Spirit? Then it starts going down the line and describing what it looks like when you're filled with the Spirit. And here's what it looks like. Okay? It's not, it's not all of these things that are so often promoted as being filled with the power of the Spirit and doing these magical tricks. Right? This is what it means. Speak to yourself in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Verse 20... You'll be thankful, so you'll give thanks always for all things. Verse 21, you will submit yourselves to one another. There's accountability. 
we love one another, we're willing to tell each other our weaknesses and hold one another accountable, okay? Verse 22, spirit-filled wives submit to their husbands. Verse 25, spirit-filled husbands will love their wives and sacrifice for their wives. In chapter 6, verse 1, spirit-filled children will obey their parents. Spirit-filled children will obey their parents. Chapter 6, verse 4, spirit-filled fathers will not provoke their children to wrath or to, to anger. You will not parent them in such a way that you're promoting anger within them. Okay, uh, chapter 6, verse 5, spirit-filled servants will be obedient. Chapter 6, verse 9, spirit-filled masters will treat their servants well. Okay, it's simple, it's tangible, it's real for everyday life. Walking in the power of the Spirit. That's how it describes it. All relationships accountable become right. Your relationship with God is right your relationship to other people and everyone around you is right. Even the people who treat you wrong, even the people who trespass against you, you forgive them because you're walking in the power of the Spirit. So the filling of the Spirit affects all of these relationships, not only to God, but to our families, our church families, and society as a whole. Now, I want to show you something really cool. Now turn to Colossians chapter 3. Colossians chapter 3. It's, it's a parallel. Now, realize that these two guys did not swap notes. They weren't in the same room together when they wrote this, okay? Well, it was the, technically it was the same guy, but, but look at what he says here. He draws this parallel, and then, but there's a very interesting thing he says here. Verse 16 says in the middle of the, the verse, teaching and admonishing one another... Here we go again, exactly like what we just read in uh, Ephesians 5. Psalms, hymns, spiritual songs. Verse 17, whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks. There's thankfulness again. Now we go through the whole same routine. It's a little bit more condensed, but it's all here. Wives submitting to your husbands, husbands loving your wives, children obeying your parents, Fathers, provoking not your children to wrath or anger. Servants, obeying your masters. And then in chapter 4, verse 1 says, Masters, give your servants what is just and equal. Now, in the same sequence, you've got it all right there. You've got the singing, the thanks, the submissiveness, the uh, accountability to one another, the wives and the husbands and the children, the fathers and the servants and the masters, all practically identical, right? But look what he says. We know what produces this, all of these things in Ephesians. It was being filled with the Spirit, wasn't it? So what does it say produces this in Colossians? What produces the exact same result in this passage? It's different here. Is this a contradiction or is this a clarification? Look what it says in verse 16. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom. So I want to tell you something this morning, and here's what I want you to understand completely. Being filled with the Spirit is, again, not some emotional dopamine hit that you want to go every Sunday and, and, and get at church, right? Some zap from heaven. Um, there were days in the church before the Word of God, before they could hold the Bible in their hand, that God validated Himself through things that were of spiritual, supernatural nature in order to prove to them that this is me, this is God talking. And we see this when the Holy Spirit was poured out, cloven tongues of fire on their heads, a mighty rushing wind. They all spoke in other tongues. They all heard one another in their own language, okay? This was before they could hold the Bible in their hand. This was a move of the Spirit when it was poured out but later on we see, as, as time moves on, as church history moves on, uh, those supernatural events were no longer needed to validate that it was God because God, through the Holy Spirit, God the Holy Spirit, inspired the Word of God through those men to write it down, and now we hold the Word of God in our hands. And everything we need is all found in the sufficiency of Scripture. We don't need all of these supernatural events. We don't need all of that stuff anymore to validate that God is God. All you need to do is open your Bible and read your Bible. 
That's all you need to do. And here's what he says. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. Scripture says that being filled with the Spirit is exactly the same thing as letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. And I mean, you don't have to be uh, Einstein to figure out what the Word of Christ is, right? What was he was before he was Jesus? He was what? He was the Word. John tells us he was the Word made flesh. The Gospels are the account of Christ and His ministry on the earth. The Ephesian, or the I'm sorry, the epistles are are his are are Paul's teachings and and uh, the apostles' teachings on what. Christ's ministry now looks like reflected in the body of Christ as we serve Him and fulfill His ministry in the power of the Spirit. It's the filling of the Spirit, listen to me, is not some mystical, wispy, heavenly kind of... You could say heavenly, but you understand not some mystical thing that you feel like you have to attain this upper echelon of spirituality that you're always on the edge of a breakthrough, right? But you're never quite there. It's always just unattainable, just out of reach when we're talking about this, this upper echelon of spirituality that we're supposed to reach. That's not what being filled with the Holy Spirit is. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is taking the Word of God that Christ has given us, divinely inspired through the Holy Spirit of God, reading it, hiding it in our heart, and walking by the words, allowing it to transform us. And we, as we submit to the truth of the Word of Christ, we walk in the power of the Spirit, and we permeate. We're permeated with the Spirit. We flavor everyone around us with with a God-like flavor. And we are in utter control of the Spirit of God because we know the Word of God and we've hidden it in our heart. If you want to be Spirit-filled, then fill yourself with the Word of Christ. That's the simplicity of it. Completely under the Spirit's control. There's absolutely no reason to make this topic confusing. Being filled with the Spirit is simply letting the Word of God dominate your life. You died And the Spirit of God is in utter and complete control because you have turned your life over in submission to the truth of the Word of God. If we can learn this and we can truly understand what it means to walk in the Spirit of God, that it simply means (laughs) that the Spirit of God gave us this incredible thing, the very words of God, the love letter of God to man, everything that you need to encounter, God to man, everything you need, the all-sufficient Word of God is held right in your hands. You don't need to hear the audible voice of God every morning in your bathroom. You don't need to hear Him whisper to you throughout the day. You need to pick up your Bible and read what He's already said, what the Holy Spirit already said. I wrote this. I don't need to keep reminding you. It's right there. Open it up. Read it. Hide it in your heart and you will walk in the power of the Spirit of God. Amen? If we can do that, then we will be who He wants us to be. You will fulfill everything that God intends for you to fulfill a sovereign God on this earth. You don't have to worry about messing it up. Walk by the Word of God, walk in the power of the Spirit, and you will do exactly what the Master wants you to do. Amen? Let's pray. Thank you so much for joining us today. We hope you are encouraged by the truth of God's Word. If you're in the Tulsa area and are looking for a local church family that teaches God's Word, then join us at 1030 every Sunday morning. Or you can join us live online on our Facebook page or YouTube channel. Until next time, brothers and sisters, as Paul instructed, rejoice, be made complete, be comforted, be like-minded, live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you.